Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. I don't think Michael's ever done drugs. It's Mike Shope. I don't know if anyone's ever offered him any. Let's go over some of the symptoms of marijuana use, shall we? You tell me who this sounds like. It's the Bulldog. Slow moving. Inattentive. Dull. Constantly snacking. Shows a lack of motivation. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog on WGR Sports Radio 550. Today in football, Washington introduced, it's a funny word for it, introduced Cliff Kingsbury to the media. Hey, media, this is Cliff. Cliff Media. They asked him what his idea of an ideal quarterback is. He said the Chiefs quarterback was his answer. (laughs) That's pretty good. Kingsbury coached Caleb Williams at USC. It's kind of chalky. Yeah. A little bit too easy, you think? Yeah. Just to say the Chiefs quarterback. <laughs> Mike Giardi with us. Mike, is he allowed to even refer to Patrick Mahomes? Don't you get fined for that? Like, is that good? I gonna, yeah. I tampering? Say, I think that, isn't that tampering? Tampering. I think it is. Uh, Cliff. Cliff's screwing up already. <laughs> Mike with the Boston Sports Journal. We'll talk some Patriots and some, some draft here. Thanks for joining us, Mike. We always uh, look forward to it. Yeah. I, I always look forward to it as well. Thank you. 31 years since the Patriots were at the top of the draft quarterback conversation. Is it a given for you that they will draft one of the top three, or is there any sort of plan B scenario, a trade or a Marvin Harrison that you might think they would go for? I think there is a plan B. I mean, I think, I think ideally uh, they'd like to land on a quarterback, but I don't think they're going to push the issue. Uh, I think either Drake may or, Jaden Daniels, who we expect to be 2-3 in some sort of order. Uh, I think if one of those guys, if they believe that that's a franchise quarterback, then they'll have no problem making the selection. But I think they learned some lessons maybe from the the Mac Jones experience. You know, he was the fifth quarterback taken in the first round. And even though he had that terrific first year, you know, relatively speaking, compared to the other guys, it obviously went south very quickly in years two and three. I think so there may be a little bit of a post-traumatic stress from that like do do, do we want to we want to make sure you got to be right here and look if you look at some of the more recent trades when a team is especially when a team's coming up for a quarterback you can get a pretty good haul and if you look at the offensive roster that the Patriots have I mean quarterback is a massive issue but so are the left and right tackle spots so is wide receiver so is tight end like there's there's a lot that needs to be done offensively so you know, again, I think they'd love to go quarterback, but if it's not there, I could totally see him sliding back, you know, maybe at eight with Atlanta, maybe 11 with Minnesota and, you know, addressing other issues and maybe picking that quarterback in the in the second round. Really comes down to how they feel about the third quarterback because they're, they're in line to at least do that. 
I mean, I suppose something else could happen uh, above them, but they're picking so high already as it is, Mike. Like, what's your? Do you have a, a read at this point of how they feel about? Well, the other two guys, presuming that Caleb Williams ends up going one overall to someone, if not the Bears. Well, they just sort of they're they're still sorting out their front office. Um, it, it appears I've been reporting for several weeks, and now it's gotten legs elsewhere that Elliot Wolf is going to be in charge, but maybe not with the GM title, and that would allow them to sort of sidestep the the Rooney Rule. And Wolf has been here; he's you know, he's the son of. Ron Wolf, the great general manager for a million years, Hall of Fame general manager. Um, Elliot's been here for a few years and developed a good relationship with Gerard Mayo, the, obviously the new head coach, and also with the ownership. And he's someone that's been in the running and has finished runner-up a couple different times as a GM. So I, I think it's a it's a it's the right decision with Elliot. I think he's done pretty much everything in football, and now he's going to have this you know pseudo GM role. But he's known as being aggressive. So, you know, what, is, what does that mean? You know, I don't think anyone's getting up to one. Um, but maybe there is a possibility to slide up to two if they really like, let's just say, Drake May. And, and maybe Washington is, you know, so-so. I think that's a, that's a big thing. But they bring in Alonzo Highsmith from Miami. And he, he and Wolf were, were, you know, best buds and, and in lockstep back in the, in the Cleveland days. So, like, I think there's still some stuff that needs to be ironed out in terms of how much influence they have. They're bringing in Ben McAdoo as an offensive assistant, sort of a almost like an assistant head coach. And you, of course, remember him as a failed head coach for a year and a half with the, with the Giants, but he's considered a pretty well-respected evaluator, a quarterback. So he's just getting into the mix. And I think it's going to take a little while to sort of figure out, you know, if they like one of those guys enough to, to take him at three. McAdoo had the guts to take Eli out. That was pretty good. Uh, it, it, high, wholly unpopular move, but I, I, I respected it. Uh, like That was going that well. Is Alex Van Pelt not there too? Van Pelt will be the offensive coordinator. Okay. But it, so the, the way that whole thing went down, I think they had their eyes on a couple of the young offensive coordinators. Nick Kelly, who used to be a Patriots assistant, he's now with the Rams. And Zach Robinson, who, of course, is now the new OC with the Atlanta Falcons as he went with Raheem Morris. And when they couldn't make that work, I think Van Pelt was the – he was going to be the veteran coach that was paired with the young offensive coordinator, you know, kind of been there, done that sort of thing, helped coach the quarterbacks that that sense. And then when that didn't go down, they were like, well, we really liked Alex. We wanted to hire him, so let's just make him the OC. He, he was the OC in, in Cleveland for the last four years. He just didn't call plays. He, in fact, he hasn't called plays since 2009 with the Buffalo Bills. But uh, that's that's sort of the, the hierarchy. And I'm not even quite sure how the Van Pelt-McAdoo thing will work, mm-hmm. you know, because are they going to kind of conspire together to create the offense? Or is it it's Alex, is it Alex's show and, and McAdoo will just sort of oversee everything? Was there anything surprising about how – Mayo was elevated and Belichick was, you know, shown the door. Um, anything about any of that surprise you? I think what surprised a lot of people, considering this team gets covered like, well, as you guys know, you guys covered the Bills like crazy too. This team gets covered. Nobody knew that Mayo had signed hmm. the the contract in the offseason. We, we knew he'd signed the contract in the offseason. In fact, they announced it. But no one knew that there was a successor clause in there. And I think that caught everybody by surprise because you think about, you know, for 24 years, you have Bill Belichick running your program 
And instead of moving on from the, you know, arguably the greatest coach of all time, the head coach of all time, or one of them, and being able to talk to all these people, no, you had already married yourself to, to Gerard Mayo. And that, I mean, I think a lot of people are surprised by that. I, I think they did themselves a disservice. Now, if Mayo turns out to be the next great thing, then, you know, they can mm-hmm. wag their finger in everyone's face. But I think they sort of, they didn't, they, they didn't do due diligence, and I think that's a mistake. I just go back to the, the Mike Tomlin hiring in Pittsburgh all those years ago. That was supposed to be Ken Wisenhunt's job. But they interviewed Tomlin. And when they got out of the interview with Tomlin, they were like, it's not Ken Wisenhunt, it's Mike Tomlin. That's what we're doing. <laughs> and, you know, I'd say yeah. that's worked out pretty well for them. Yeah. You know, the, <laughs> the, the Mayo hiring, like, an easy point to make, and I've made it, uh, go figure uh, is you know look, look around the league at at the lack of success that Belichick uh, people from the Belichick tree Matt Patricia Josh McDaniels maybe most notably have had um, and it, it doesn't seem to work and like so why are you in such a hurry to usher another of Belichick's proteges in but I feel like the Mayo the the narrative around him is that he's maybe not from that mold. I think maybe the biggest mistake those guys, McDaniel and Patricia specifically, make going to new teams is trying to be Bill Belichick. And, like, it just doesn't work if you're not the, the guy with all the all the hardware already. Um, and maybe Mayo's cut a little bit differently. I think that's the hope. I think that's what they're selling. Um, and, I, and knowing Gerard, having covered him as a player, and then, you know, the last four or five years as, as a coach – one of the things about Gerard that stands out is sort of the relationships that he creates with the players that's created with the players. And I think um, Bill was never that way. I think Josh McDaniel's failings in two spots, Denver and Vegas, I think trace directly back to that. Um, even Brian Flores in Miami, you know, where it was a 500 record, they were a decent football team, a decent program for three years, but like he rubbed everybody even coaches, coaches, players, like the whole, the front office, the owner, obviously, like <laughs> he, he just constantly grinding everybody and creating difficulty with those relationships. And that's kind of what Mayo's specialty is supposed to be relationships. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's a different when you're, when you're the linebackers coaches, he liked to remind us because he, 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 he never had a higher title than that here. He wasn't the defense coordinator, even though he helped lead those, he actually led those meetings and helped create the plan. Like, he, he never was that. Now you're the guy. Everybody's looking to you, and every every decision will be scrutinized to the nth degree. We'll, we'll see if he can maintain that. But that's that's who he's been, and we'll see if he can carry that over as a head coach. With Mike Giardi here on WGR, if I remember this uh, incorrectly, Mike, I hope that you'll tell me, we had a conversation, the three of us, uh, back in the summer, talking about what's going to happen this year in New England, and you said something like, Look, if they go 5-12, and 12, it's over for mm-hmm. Belichick. And I referred to that a few times during the season. like Because that was not – everybody would have said that back then. I wonder how you remember like how popular or common an opinion that was. Is this all a little bit surreal when you have a coach with all the success they've had and just like so much a fixture with that organization? I think it'll be very weird watching – New England at the beginning of the season without him there it was without Brady and now without Belichick too. It's what happens, but I wonder what it, how it's how strange it might be to sort of be covering all this. Uh, no, no question, it wasn't very popular. 
Um, and it wasn't, I mean, I think there were a couple of other folks that covered the team that sort of felt like, you know, this, if this starts to go sideways, they might bail on him. Um, but to watch it play out the way it did, I think we talked during the season at one point where, you know, like the, the, the two losses in week four and week five, the 38 to three and the 34 to nothing at home to the saints. Mm-hmm. That was like, like, this is really like, you got to put this on the table. This is on the front burner now. Like this could go sideways and it, you know, or go worse than it's been going. And, and it basically did. And to see the last game, you know, the weather wasn't great. They're playing the jets. The jets are out of it. You're out of it. You know, you're playing Bailey Zappi. They're playing Trevor Simeon. Um, you know, it was 15 degrees and it was lightly snowing and the wind was blowing and it was just a nasty day. And to see, but, but people kind of, at that point, you're like, I think Belichick might be done. And to see 30,000 people show up in the stadium for Bill Belichick in, in likely his last game and there was no acknowledgement, you know, there's a few signs in the crowd, but like it just was very, you say what you want about Bill and his, the way he carried himself and his relationships with everybody, um, but to see it kind of end that way and that's like the lasting memory of it, him had the big face mask on, you know, covering like all but his eyes, it was bizarre. And just, it, it wasn't, uh, I guess nothing ends really the way you want it to, largely. Right. You know, if you're John Elway, maybe you walk out on top, you know, as a, as a quarterback or whatever. But like it just, it struck me like that was pretty. That was pretty rough. Pretty pretty hard way to go out for a guy who brought so much joy and happiness to the region for you know twenty twenty plus years. Wasn't Brady's final pass intercepted in in that pick six? Pick six right? by former by former teammate Logan Ryan, and they lost to Ryan Tannehill. Right. In the playoffs at home, yeah, that's right. yeah, that it's it, it's pretty ugly. That was that's comparable to how Kelly left here back in '96. We were around back then, and you know you're at home in the playoffs. The Bills at that time had never lost a playoff game in that stadium. Like Jackson, who is Jacksonville has a team, and right. and Kelly gets hurt and they lose, and then it, that's just it, right? I mean, you're just not. That's the finality of it. It's one thing that's great about sports. Like you just yeah. you, you walk in there with one sort of mindset. The Patriots don't lose at home to ten, to Tannehill, and then they do. And wow, like just that's the end of it, just like that. All, yeah, all, that, ball, ball all that's all that said, mm-hmm. Mike. Are you are, how surprised, if at all, are you that Belichick did not generate more interest on the market during the coaching hire cycle? So you know there was talk around here. Although they won't fire him until they can trade him. Like there's all you know like. Oh, they might be able to get a first-round pick for him. And I just think what it tells you is all that comes with Bill and then the age on top of it, you know, it would be 72 to start this upcoming season, you know, and now if he sits out there, well, he's going to sit out a year. 73 if he tries to come back the next year. Like, how long do you actually get him for? And then he's not a modern coach. And it's like we, we talk about this. We used to talk about this here all the time. Like, could you drop Bill Belichick, you know, even, say, 10 years ago, as a brand-new head coach with the way he coaches and drop him into the league, would it work? And I think the general consensus was, eh, it might not. For as smart as he is as a football guy, the way the league and the people and kids are being raised and the players that are coming in, it's a, it's a different world. And I think it was hard for a lot of owners to sort of shape, how would we make this work? How would this look? Yeah. Um, and, it, and, you know, like, look, at Arthur Blank came out and said, like, he didn't demand total – you know, power over the entire organization, which I think was a sort of the initial buzz was like, he's still going to want to go in there and draft. He's still going to want to go in there and put all his people in place. And blank said, no, straight up. He didn't. But 
you hire a 47-year-old Raheem Morris or whatever he is, and you hope that you have the next great coach for 15 years. Do you hire Bill Belichick? What do you get? You get in two years? You get in three? Like, it, it just – I think that's hard, and I think it'll be hard next year. I, maybe there's a team. I think now the next, the, you know, so we sort of moved down the line. Now the next thing is, well, well, if Dallas flames out again, you know, if they had a good year and they lose in the playoffs again, <laughs> right, McCarthy right. doesn't have a contract, or if Sirianni in Philly, if they don't make it work, maybe they go to him as the sort of stopgap, get us over the hump, and then, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll live with the trying to find a new coach two years from now if you can get us a Super Bowl. But, like I said, I, I'm not sure that that's, I'm not totally buying into that either. I wouldn't be totally shocked if it's over, period. Mm-hmm. Mike, uh, before you go, so you probably saw this, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl again. <laughs> and, like, if you're us, Buffalo, you're Baltimore, uh, San Francisco is maybe the best example, having lost to them in the Super Bowl twice now. What are you supposed to do? What are we supposed to say here to sort of make next year sound like it will be different? You just sort of hang out and you make your roster moves and you roll the dice again, you know, roll the ball out, so to speak, and see what happens. I guess that's what you do. But, you know, for the Bills in particular, losing at home to them, it's just sort of changed the – it's changed something in in terms of the outlook here. Like it was – before this year it was get them at home and they lost. So um, I don't know. Like the Bills have their – some cap issues this year too. It's just kind of – it's a little bit – more challenging to talk about because there's just sort of no move that you want you need them to make or you know some different uh, setup for a game against Kansas City where you can sort of be confident that they might win the game. It feels exactly. I mean, and the the comparison has been made a bunch, but it feels a lot like it was with the Patriots and all the teams that were constantly trying to figure out a way to beat Belichick and Brady are now trying to do the same thing with Reed and Mahomes. And if you're was it three years ago now that Brandon Bean said like the, you know, we're like, that's the goal. We got to mm-hmm. figure out a way to beat Kansas city. I don't think the goal changes. I, obviously there's, as you mentioned, the cap is going to make it a little bit more difficult, but I still think you're aiming for that. You know, you, you can't, and, and you can clean up the cap pretty quickly. You know, you're mm-hmm. doing this and do that. We saw it last year, right? Weren't they like 28 million over the cap at one point And then very quickly with four guys, <laughs> they, they fixed that. Yeah. You know, maybe it's a little harder when you're 50 million versus 20, but you know, I, he'll play around with it because I think he looks at it and says, "We were right there again." And I, I, you know, we, it, they probably gave them as good a game as anybody until San Francisco in the in the in the Super Bowl, and even then, like, uh, you know, I don't know, San Francisco, Kyle Shannon's gonna have to live with that one for a while. But I, I would say that that remains. You still have Josh Allen. And as long as you have Josh Allen, you're going to be a contender, as long as you can keep him upright and healthy. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, um, enjoy your offseason, uh, right? I think we, we uh, are kind of there. We'll be a month before the combine or so, and um, football is not supposed to have an offseason anymore, but hopefully you can uh, find find time for one. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to find some sun at some point because we haven't seen any in New England here, it feels like, for about two months. So, Where is yeah. that sun? Where did it go? <laughs> Every year God. with this. I know. It's not, it's not depressing at all. Right? <laughs> no, no, that definitely doesn't affect our moods. <laughs> no, not at all. Thank you, Mike. Thanks. Mike Giardi, Boston Sports Journal. We shouldn't be complaining. We had, we had, we had a few days in a row of sunshine. I know. It's, um, it's, the, it's a record.
It is, really. It had been like a month, literally, with no sunshine. And then we got, I don't know, like three, four days in a row there last week or two weekends ago. People are still asking themselves if that was real. Well, you'll have baseball to, to look in on here with pitchers and catchers. Your pitchers, your catchers, your baseball teams are all showing up for work. You've been following what what, I, what I'm seeing. It might be an ad, so I apologize. Um, but I, I've, I've seen a, a number of tweets regarding the, the, the controversy about the jerseys. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> it's horrendous. It's terrible. I, it, I it, don't – go ahead. I hope it's the thing – because fans have been getting victimized by this for already a, a couple of years, I think, in all sports. Fanatics. Fanatics. And now, now the Major League Baseball players, at least in spring training, are getting jerseys that, like, the font is all screwed up with the names and they feel like they're cheap replicas, which they probably are. And, like, hopefully that – forces some change because it seems like the easiest thing in the world to get right is people want to give you 250 dollars for jerseys like okay make them well (laughs) they just cannot seem to do it and it's just unbelievable it is and for many years i've said like how much would they even cost to make like to make them well costs what to make right but this costs less um yeah i I totally am paying attention to that. I consider myself a, to have a very keen eye when it comes to jerseys. Uh, I don't really wear them as much as I used to, but like I'll notice discrepancies, and there is no question that these Major League Baseball jerseys look terrible. The, the shading is wrong. The letters are smaller. There's just no – it's just obvious. Look at the Red Sox, the Cardinals, the Giants. It's just – they look so bad. I am judgy, and if you're walking around in that, and I see you, I'm like, oh, well, right, not not great, not great. And, and I, I just, I, I, what, what, what I immediately think of. I mean, it's one thing if like you or I, like we're aware of this, and so we know. Uh, we might still feel like you know one of our kids or a friend, a friend's kid, or or us even. We want a jersey. And so, okay, well, that, I guess I got to take my chances with this company, like buyer beware. Man, I, I just think of like a- any parent, any grandparent who's not like plugged into it, and their right. grandkid wants a jersey, and they're gonna get, go try to get this thing, and it's gonna show up, and the guy's name's gonna be spelled wrong or something. Yep. It's, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's <laughs> so bad. Like sports fans, like we we're used to getting trampled on. I think right. We, we got to pay for your stadium, and we got to pay fifty bucks for parking, and we got to pay twelve or eighteen dollars for our beer and all all the stuff. Can you at least get the jersey that we're willing to pay an astronomical markup on? Right? Can you partner with people who will actually make them well? Please, no. Okay. What the hell? Perfectly said. Exactly right. I'm, I'm judgy about the jerseys, but I recognize how expensive they are, like the, the real ones, and, you know, that's just not fair. And it, I respect it if you can't afford 300 bucks or something for, like, an authentic NHL jersey, but, oh, you're so right. Like, it's just terrible. 803-0550 for your calls. Talking the Patriots and the NFL season there with Mike Giardi. First hour a lot on the Sabres. We're asking... 
what has been their biggest mistake in these going on 13 years without a playoff appearance that's not official yet, 13. They won the other night, and maybe they'll get on a roll. Like the last time they made it, or last year, both seasons where they kind of came out of nowhere and made it made it interesting or made the playoffs, especially 11. That's how I remember that season. Um, what do you think? What's the one thing they've done that was the worst decision? We'll have the Sabres and Panthers tonight, of course, pregame at 6 here on WGR. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.